politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen to the one and only Conservative Review podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, weary and battle-worn, but back in the house for a new week, Monday, June the 8th. And friends, what is going on in this country is something greater than all of us. It's something that is greater than any man-made solution, even though it is obviously a man-made problem. We need to beseech God for help. But obviously, in order to have peace, we have to first have the truth. And I really appreciate how many of you have tuned into this show, have uh, sent the show around to your friends and relatives, and you've come to realize that there really is nothing quite like this show where we delve deep, very deep into the issues. We juxtapose different issues. We put them together. We remain independent from any particular party or politician. And we just say it straight up like it is. And really, what is so important now is to look at everything broadly while going in depth, but to look at numerous issues broadly. And what you're going to find is that the response to the Floyd killing, and there's still a lot we don't know about that, it was we mentioned on Friday, but assuming the guy is guilty of sin, the response to the Floyd killing is equivalent to the lockdown in response to coronavirus, where we took a problem, Again, presuming this is a problem, I mean, presuming we talked a lot on Friday that there are certain details that we don't know about what happened there in Minneapolis, but they take one thing in a vacuum, ignore everything else, go like a nut and create a solution that is a million times worse than the problem, don't even solve the problem, and destroy everyone's lives. We act as if there's only one guardrail. Coronavirus, coronavirus, nothing else going on in the world. No other guardrail that you could overcorrect and run into. Same thing here. Oh, police brutality, oh my gosh. And then we make up a component that it's racial somehow. And we destroy the country. It's amazing how similar the modus operandi is. And if you get nothing else from today's show, I want you guys to remember that juxtaposition. You look at the news over the weekend it's too numerous to review here since Friday. It used to be we'd come from a weekend, start anew on Monday. Not much happens over a weekend. Now a lifetime of news happens over a weekend. We're finding police officers quitting all over the country. We're finding at least 18 people have now been killed as a result of the riots directly. And hundreds upon hundreds injured. Okay. We're finding now the indirect results of the riots. What do I mean by the indirect results? As we spoke about on Friday's show. When you go and give the police the impression that they're not, not, not like choking someone out, but their basic activity is criminal and racist, then they stand back. That's the lesson of Baltimore. That's really the lesson of the last 50 years of crime. We were weak in the 60s and 70s. Crime went up. In the 80s, Reagan kicked off a movement to get tougher, more aggressive policing, tougher sentencing. We had deterrence. Starting in the 90s, crime tumbled for 20 to 25 years. Since Ferguson and Freddie Gray, we've done the opposite, and crime has been going up, really accelerating in recent months and years, and now it's just out of control. 25 fatally shot 
85 shot totally in total in Chicago over the weekend. The bloodiest day in Chicago in 60 years. That is 100% the result of cops just sitting back. Remember, one life killed. We don't know exactly the circumstances. One life killed George Floyd. Justice is very swift. The cops are being charged, frankly overcharged. The swiftest indictment ever. Yet now they're, the people who are demanding justice have directly caused the death of 18 people, including several black cops. And now dozens of dozens of other people. We're going to get to it. Shootings, crime way up in New York, really every major city. Meaning you have the riots, but then you have just the gang violence, the general crime, where there is no deterrent. Police being forced to kneel, resign for saying basic things. They Like they believe in the Second Amendment. That's another story. Maybe we'll get to later. Folks, this is exactly what happened with coronavirus. It was a problem, mainly with seniors and people with comorbidities. People who are going to die within a year. Not only didn't we protect the nursing homes, but it, because of the response of panicking and the clamor to free up space in the hospitals that did not need to be freed, they sent positive COVID patients into nursing homes and killed thousands of more people than would have otherwise died. Just to have new data here. Admissions for stroke, AMI, and heart failure were down 50% during the virus. These are conditions with 30-day mortality at or above 10% with proper care. The risk perception that, that was given over to the public was so disproportionate to what the virus was that people with deadly conditions did not come in. Some of the things were canceled. Approximately, new study, approximately 2.3 million cancer surgeries will have been canceled due to COVID-19 by mid-June. It will take about 45 weeks to deal with the backlog if hospitals increase their staff by 20%, but instead they furloughed them because they were told they have to spend all the money in COVID and had to free up space. So they couldn't have elective surgeries, which weren't elective. Therefore, they had to furlough people. But then, in most parts of the country, they didn't get a surge in COVID. So they had nothing, and they had to let them go. That is how sick and perverse our response was with coronavirus. Okay? And by the way, that was a study for, it's published at BJS, or BJSS Journals. It's titled Elective Surgery Cancellations Due to COVID-19 Pandemic Global Predictive Modeling to Inform Surgical Recovery Plans. It's three researchers. Um, it was published May 12th. Um, so it's a couple weeks old, but I just saw it over the weekend. So what's happening on crime now is the same thing. The same thing. Where we are destroying police, we're destroying citizens, we're destroying everyone, we're destroying businesses, we're destroying commerce. We, we're, we almost have a paralysis in these cities on the level of the lockdown because of the violence. We have another case 
of cars now being stopped by these roving checkpoints. We have anarchist checkpoints as if this is Fallujah or Baghdad or something. And if you're white, you get pulled out of your car if you don't choose to run out to, you know, try to run people over, which most people don't want to do. And you get beaten within an inch of your life. And yes, the very people this was supposed to protect, black lives, which was always a sickening focus because you never focus on one group of people more than others. And and, and you know what? I'm sick of this crap and I'm just going to say it straight out here. The, The rate of black versus white crime is 10 times higher than white on black crime, even though whites are about 5.5 times larger in proportion. So that's roughly a 55 to 1 ratio. So I don't want to hear this garbage. Now, we judge people as individuals. We don't judge everything racial. So the same way we don't hold it against an entire race of people simply because a group of black criminals commit most of this crime. We would hope that they would apply the same thing for the much more infrequent case of someone who's white who happens to kill a black, even when there's no evidence it was racially motivated, when certainly there are numerous examples the other way around. But I just had to get that off my chest. But anyway, if this is all about black lives, could you imagine how many black lives have been snuffed out the last 10 days because police are just, they, they can't police. Let, let's go through some of these stories here. Chicago, over the weekend. This is from the Chicago Sun-Times. 24 people were killed and at least 61 others were wounded by gun violence in Chicago's most violent weekend of the year so far, which also saw widespread protests, riots, and looting throughout the city in the wake of Minneapolis police killing of George Floyd. More than half of the weekend's victims were shot on Sunday. Um, and I believe Sunday was the day. This, is, this must be from a different article, but Sunday was the day that had the most. The most murders in one day. The bloodiest day in Chicago in 60 years. You won't hear that on the news. Let's move on to the New York Post. Shootings, murders rose dramatically in New York City last week amid backdrop of protests. Murders and shootings in the Big Apple skyrocketed last week compared to the same period last year. From last Monday to Sunday night, there were 13 murders in the city compared to five killings during the same week last year. The city reported 40 shootings last week, the most in a week since 2015. Um, Yeah, I mean... This is where we are. But what are they focused on? Here's a story out of um, lawofficer.com. Police chief forced to resign after he supports Second Amendment. So this is a guy in Lowell, Michigan, police chief Steve Bakula. Bakula. He, um, He was the guy that basically told people to open carry and um, now he's out of a job. Now he's out of a job. 
He posted this on Facebook, and now he was purged. 24-year veteran. Who in their right mind is going to want to become a police officer now? Have we ever thought of that? But folks, everything the media does is a case of projection. They say people are killing, you know, we're killing people of the virus. They're the ones killing people of the virus. And now they're the ones. I mean, you had thousands packed shoulder to shoulder in Philadelphia, many other cities. But there's an amazing photo out of Philadelphia where you could see all that coronavirus spreading. Or at least we were told it will spread it. The same people who say we're killing black lives. They are the ones that are now responsible for killing likely 50, 100 times more people, and we're just getting started. And again, unlike in the George Floyd case, where there will definitely be justice, assuming he is guilty, how many of these people be brought to to justice? They did catch one guy um, who killed, who allegedly killed David Dorn, the retired St. Louis cop in St. Louis, he was left dead in the, on the sidewalk. Um, he was a career criminal, like all of them. Should have been in jail, wasn't. Was let out. And that's the thing. We find this all the time. I noted a case on Friday. One of the looters in Chicago was arrested. He was sentenced to 25 years for first-degree murder. Only served about 10 years was let out, violated parole three times, including weapons offenses, and was back out on the streets. And these idiots say we're too tough on crime? And this gets us back to our Teletubby update. Folks, it's time for our Teletubby theme song. Dinky winky, hanky winky, Yes, I know it's been a while for the Teletubbies. Where is the bold contrast? from Republicans, and even from President Trump in a consistent manner. You know, many of you have sent me notes really thanking me for my monologues throughout the week last week, really forcefully giving the other side of the story. And a lot of you noted that, wow, this is a really compelling case you're giving, that the policies that they're pushing with weaker policing and weaker sentencing, they're hurting more blacks than ever. They're empowering gangs that prey on black communities, that prey on, you know, really harm all of us. How come we don't hear this from Republicans? And the answer is because Republicans are a bunch of doofus Teletubbies. Trump, on Friday, rather than making the case I made, made the opposite case. He trolled Joe Biden for, oh, you know, Joe Biden was the racist because he supported the 1995 crime bill, which locked up all these blacks. What do you mean? That was the crime bill that was responsible for saving tens of thousands of homicide victims mainly black. If you look at the trajectory of homicides a year, there were like 25, 27,000 going through the 70s, 80s, early 90s. That bill and other initiatives broke the back of crime in America and it went down 60% until recently when it started turning up because we reversed those policies. Trump promised to champion the law and order policies. Instead, Jared Kushner got him to do the opposite. So he's losing his soul on that issue. We got to get him back into the right place. But we have an update 
going to read you a, a Teletubby update from one of our fans. Josh emails me. I'm going to read you his email. Just wanted to share some great news with you, he says sarcastically. Hannity, that's Sean Hannity, is having the great Alice Johnson, as you've noted, the largest cocaine trafficker in Tennessee history on the show Monday night. I'm sure they will discuss substantive tough on crime issues. Hannity claims he's a traditional Reagan conservative as he brings on Alice Johnson to push criminal justice to form. Everything is so dumb. You are not alone. What the hell is going on here? Who invites these guests? Who pushes the narrative on this dumb, vacuous, pathetic show? We both know... Well, whatever, I'll leave off some of the rest of this email. In all seriousness, how tone-deaf are these tell-tubby losers in conservative media? Is the Trump campaign really going to move to the left of the defund police Democrat Party on crime? This is unconscionable. Have we gone this far? Folks, I don't get it. I don't get how... Between what they did on the virus and what they're doing on crime and rioting, how you don't have every Republican pounding that lectern in the House and the Senate, the Republican governors, Republican state legislators, Republican you know, county council officials. And yes, every Republican in the Trump administration, including the big man himself, every day promoting our narrative. I don't understand it. Instead, they promote Alice Johnson, the stupid drug trafficker that has never apologized for what she did. And is instead promoting the proliferation of drugs and letting all these people out of prison. And again, as Reagan warned, it's in the data. It's straight up. It's clear. Almost all of them, three quarters of those arrested for homicide in Baltimore, in my hometown, had drug convictions. That's just the reality. And again, these are the people that are so violent every day. Thanks to the permissiveness of the Alice Johnson Republican Party, along with the Democrat Party. Drugs are through the roof more than ever. Everyone police confront are now on drugs. Do you know how hard it is to apprehend these people? Do you understand the narrow window? Again, I'm not saying, you know, we've all probably met cops that are kind of obnoxious. Not to say no cop could do anything wrong. But you have to understand in general what's happening here and what they're confronted with. Think about it. In my mind, there's three types of confrontations that could be physically violent. The lowest level is to evade your your opponent. So if you want to think of it this way, you get into physical altercation with someone. How much strength and or skill do you need to, to win? Well, what does winning look like? Well, the first case is just to evade. So you don't have to be nearly as strong and as skilled to put up enough of a fight just to get away from someone or beat him back so he runs, he goes away, you get away. You don't want him. You don't, you don't want to touch him. You don't want to deal with him. You don't need to deal with him. That's one level. Then there's the next level is really the opposite way, but it's really not as, it's not the most severe. It's level two is how much strength and tenacity and skill do you need to defeat your opponent? And what I mean by that is you, through brute force, you defeat him, you incapacitate him, you knock him out, you you know, make him cry uncle. So you have to be a lot stronger and or more skilled to achieve that level than the evasion level. But then there's a third level, and that's the one the police are confronted with. You're not trying to run away because you got to do your job. <laughs> you got to apprehend him. 
you're the goal is not to beat the person up but you need to own him you need to neutralize him and apprehend him without really trying to hurt him and without yourself getting hurt in the process or others getting hurt now consider the guys on drugs I had a cop, um, a fan of this show I spoke to from a retired cop from Minnesota uh, over the weekend. And he, he, he said, you know, he's a pretty big guy. He said he once had difficulty even with a tiny woman because she was on PCP. And again, like if this is a street fight and a woman, uh, you know, a 110 pound woman on PCP comes up to a strong cop to start up. Yeah, I mean, you could just deck her or slam her to the ground and beat her up or something. And you could easily win. But if you're a cop, you, the objective is to is to affect an arrest, right? The, the goal is to try not to do that, right? So that's that's not easy to do if they're on drugs. Now consider a lot of them that are hardened, hardened, strong criminals, big, strong guys on drugs. Just think about that for a moment. That's the rule, not the exception to what they deal with. They're just not going to make the arrest. And we're seeing that. And again, remember, there's a small number of people that commit all the violent crime. You leave them on the streets undeterred, unarrested, unconvicted. That is a recipe for getting back to the 70s in America, albeit with a culture that's even worse and likely a larger percentage of people per capita that are going to get roped into that culture of violence. Why is it so hard for this? For, for Trump, for Republicans, every Republican, including Trump, should be running every day. This should be the election to restore law and order, to make sentences tougher. If a cop does something brutal, criminal, he's like criminal like anyone else, and you'll prosecute him as well. But the message going out to America's cops, with hundreds of them retiring now, is you cannot do your job. So they'll be like, you know what? Why should I fall on my sword? We saw Mitt Romney, that loser, march in one of these stupid parades. By the way, July 4th parades are canceled due to the virus. But this, they encourage you to attend. But who endorsed Mitt Romney? He had an opponent. I endorsed his opponent. Donald J. Trump endorsed Mitt Romney. This is not working out well. Forget about the stupid color war, color racial war that the media is creating. No lives matter. No lives matter. We're going to have murder and mayhem everywhere. That's the truth. I just want to tell you, some some people, I see some libertarians are saying, well, Daniel, screw the police. I hate the police anyway. You know what? This is better. We have the Second Amendment. We'll just defend ourselves. Now, look, I'm fully prepared with my arsenal. Got an extra thousand rounds of nine millimeter. Was able to buy. I'm prepared if someone comes to my neighborhood. But I just want to warn you. You cannot run and you cannot hide from the racial argument that the left is making. 
until now, it wasn't so harmful. Like, all right, whatever. We give them what they want. We give them affirmative action. We give them things that are unconstitutional and unjust and immoral and illogical. But now, like, it is to the point where they are literally saying blacks as a whole are aggrieved against whites as a whole. You have to bow down to them. You have to literally bow down to them, kiss them. You have to allow them to commit crimes. If they're black, they have a right to commit a crime. If you're white, you don't even have a right to self-defense. You can't live like that. And that has nothing to do with cops. This is what I'm warning you. What was the first major incident of this business in recent history? It started off in 2014 with Trayvon Martin and, and Zimmerman. That was a case of a civilian that was not a cop. But the principle that they want to apply, applied then, and it's going to apply to you. What do you do if you're confronted on your block or anywhere with three belligerent criminals who happen to be black? And let's say you have concealed carry license or whatever. You're carrying a gun. What do you do? Now, let's say they're white. So the answer is you draw your weapon. And you hope they're deterred. If they're not deterred, you shoot them. That's self-defense. If they're black, which usually, just statistically, again, you look at the interracial crimes, um, it's literally you know 55 times more likely to come from an African-American than, than a white, this situation. So now what do you do? Almost always, they are on drugs. So they're not deterred by you drawing your weapon. They're going to come at you. You're likely going to have to shoot. Now what do you do? Well, Daniel, it's self-defense. Well, I, I, I don't disagree, but um, in the rules of Sodom and Gomorrah, that doesn't apply. We now have a two-tiered system of justice. That's the exact opposite of what the racial hustlers are suggesting. The bias is the other way around. So what are you going to do? At best, you'll get acquitted, but immediately you're going to be doxxed on the internet. Your name and your address is going to be put up. You and your family will be placed into danger. You will never be able to live a normal life again. So what is it? Do you shoot? Or do you take a chance on getting beaten? Hopefully they'll still leave a heartbeat. Folks, stop being too clever. Oh, I'll defend myself. Screw the police. No, no, no. It's time we stand and fight. It's time we stand our ground. There's nowhere to run from this agenda. The racial cat call is like a dog barking. If you run, you cannot outrun a dog. It's the same thing here. You got to stand your ground. You can never run away from this. You can never capitulate your way into peace. You can never atone. As we're seeing, no matter what you do, you can never atone for the sin. Because it's a fake sin. Because you and I are as responsible for what we fought the civil war over as any person who happens to be black, who's a peaceful citizen, is responsible for a black criminal killing so many blacks and whites. As individuals, we were responsible for our own sins. It's that simple. But this is where we are, folks. 
I, we cannot allow ourselves to be acclimated to a new normal. You know, one of the things that concerns me with this like frog in the boiling water phenomenon where we, we don't even realize how bad things are getting and we think it's normal is on Friday, even a lot of my colleagues, conservative colleagues, they're appraising the economy. Oh, look, you see, we added 2.5 million jobs. Yeah, but that was after losing more than 2.5 million jobs. That was a monthly gain, but we lost more than 2.5 million weekly for like eight weeks. Really? Like we're going to be happy with that? Of course, you know, once the lockdown fully ends or at least partially ends. Yeah, I mean, some of the jobs are going to come back, but the economy is never going to be the same because you know what's happening now. All those small businesses upwards of 100,000 are permanently destroyed. Who benefits? Walmart, Target, Home Depot, Amazon. And notice, those are all the companies promoting this agenda. Even the ones that get looted like Target. To them, it's the cost of doing business. You send some money to the BLM terrorist organization, Antifa. Some of them will wind up looting your store. But you know what? That gives you a seat at the table as part of the political class. And you get to make the decisions. You get to promote the riots and the chaos. You get to promote the lockdowns because I'm a good person and I don't want people to die from the virus. Oh, well, except if you run out in the tens of thousands to protest phony racism, then the virus is not a problem. That's what's happening in this country with government creating an artificial monopoly for big business. Look, we don't mind if someone achieves a certain status through tenacity, through good business practices. But if it's the government that's shutting people down and tendentiously skewing the playing field toward, toward specific companies, that's a big problem. That's the inequality that Bernie Schmucky Sanders doesn't talk about. But that's where we are. And speaking of... The, the parades and viruses. So in my community, Baltimore, they went ahead and canceled all summer events. Despite the heat, the fact that the virus is not transmitting, it's over. Canceled all July 4th events. But the mayor, Jack Young, the latest one and, and, until he gets indicted. And by the way, the new mayor that was the mayor-elect is Sheila Dixon, who literally was arrested and indicted for stealing Target gift cards from the poor. I'm not kidding you. But now she's out, and now she's going to be mayor again. Yep, crime pays. Sodom and Gomorrah. So anyway, my son cannot be in summer camp. The, the restrictions they placed on were so absurd and prohibitive that we got the email from the camp we live in the county, but but the camp is in the city. They can't do it. So after months struggling at home, my oldest especially has had a hard time of it. Now he can't go to camp either. Meanwhile, Jack Young said that the protests in Baltimore were nonviolent and really a um, just a paradigm, an example for everyone else. Now, wait a minute. Even if they're not violent, what happened to the virus? You mean to tell me they can't have 10 to 15 people in a freaking bunk composed of 
Children who absolutely are not in danger in any statistically meaningful way. One eighth of the fatalities of the flu. One tenth of the hospitalizations of the flu. Yet you could have thousands of adults. Shoulder to shoulder. Rampaging everywhere. Not just in one spot. But marching all over the streets. And folks I just want to digress before we transition this discussion. Back to the virus. And the lies about that. I just want to note something. Just want to note that there is no constitutional right to belligerently march. All of a sudden, they're like, the First Amendment. Remember how they were shutting down peaceful rallies? You know, where you'd just be in one spot, you'd sing the national anthem, sing God Bless America, have some Don't Tread on Me flags, and have a couple of speakers. That, that, that's what we had. Business owners who were shut down, like, no, you can't do that. You're spreading the virus. And we said, what happened to the right to peaceably assemble? That's protected by the First Amendment. But to be clear, you don't have a right for the city to give you a permit to be in any one particular spot and to disrupt commerce and disrupt traffic. You can go into a certain cornered area where you're not bothering anyone and assemble. But you don't have a right to affect other people. And I want to make it clear, even when they're not like downright setting things on fire and, you know... um. Uh, just smashing storefronts. They are belligerently marching all over the place and blocking traffic and scaring the hell out of people. You don't have a... That is not covered by the First Amendment. Maybe I'll do a show on this one day, on the case law on this. That is utter nonsense. That is utter, utter nonsense. But let's get back to this. Think about it, folks. Think about this scam of the coronavirus for a minute. Think about it. This was basically never rooted in science or public safety. It was always a pretext to beat down the forgotten Americans. If you are not a favored class to the media and to the politicians, you're shut down. You can't have a business. But if you're a favored class, oh, you could do whatever you want. You're entitled, to, you're entitled to extra rights. We, we don't get the bare, binum, bare bone minimum life, liberty, and property. Oh, but they have a right to march, maim, kill, loot, steal. And you don't have a right to self-defense. They have a right to stop your car. And you just have to take a chance with them not beating you up. Oh, car plowed its way into a Black Lives Matter protest. No, it didn't. They stopped it and had murderous intentions. Last week, a couple of whistleblowers on New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy's pandemic response team wrote in a letter to state legislators in Trenton that basically Murphy and his team are not following science and data They are just, quote, making things up as they proceed or making decisions and justifying them on the back end. And literally, Murphy, uh, Murphy addressed this. I'm not kidding you. He said, look, you know, some stupid salon shut down. That's nothing. These people are marching to prevent murder of blacks. So I don't want to hear complaints about the virus. He literally addressed that. That's how evil of a person he is. We no longer have a legitimate government. What is it? The squeaky wheel gets oil? 
Maybe we need to, I, I mean, I mean, really, I'm not calling for this. I'm just saying, do we need to get violent? Is that the only way to get our demands heard? And our demands are not demanding to steal and loot other people's stores, to take other people's money. We just want our own right to engage in commerce and schools and lives without restrictions and to have government do its basic job rooted in the social contract and the social compact as established in the Declaration of Independence to protect us from all enemies, foreign and domestic. National security, local security, that's all we ask. But of course, so many of these same cities that do that restrict our rights. If they're caught carrying a gun illegally, if you're of the right ilk and you have a criminal record, you won't go to jail. Here, I can't get a right to carry permit. If I'm caught carrying just to defend myself, I will go to jail. If they're caught trying to... I mean, we have this in our community every day. People get carjacked at gunpoint. And you look and you see the guy had like five felonies in six months. Doesn't serve any time. Sodom and Gomorrah. I just want to leave you with one more story today. I got to run soon. But um, another Minneapolis cop I've been honored to meet, and maybe I'll get him on the show one day. Uh, He's a retired cop, I should say. And he actually does have a lot to say about the whole, you know, violent stuff. Uh, He he actually trained people, trained cops in in, in the use of force and just, you know, physical, um, you know, martial arts, things like that. But Kurt Nelson lives in Minnesota. He wrote, he has an amazing Facebook post about the virus. And this is how we're going to kind of bring it full circle in Minneapolis and Minnesota. Minnesota, in many ways, it certainly is the ground zero of the anarchy, but it's also the ground zero of the lies about coronavirus. If you remember, Minnesota is the state with the highest percentage share of nursing home deaths as as a percentage of the total statewide deaths. I believe as of this morning, it's 83% of all alleged recorded COVID-19 deaths in Minnesota were in senior care facilities. But we always wondered how many of them really died from COVID. After we saw all the stories of coroners raising questions, we saw the data in Colorado where there was a 25% revision downwards because they started thankfully recording under threat of a lawsuit those who died because of COVID, not just those who died that they happened to be with it, happened to test positive. You see folks, in a a, a twisted irony, putting these twin crises together, George Floyd tested positive for COVID. An autopsy. Now, of course, it was an asymptomatic case. But let me tell you, under the guidance of CDC and under the practice of all 50 states, what they've been doing until now, that should be recorded as a COVID death. I don't agree with that. I find that absurd. But that is their policy. But watch it as they don't record it. We're actually going to file a public information request and try to get it. Get the death certificate when it comes out. Because then it will run into headwinds of the other new, cooler hotness in town, which is racial strife. 
You see, this guy, Kurt Nelson, this retired cop in Minnesota, he got a public information request from Minnesota Department of Health, and he got a database of every of, a, of the death certificate information sortable in a database. I actually have it. He's been kind enough to share it with me. Of every single death in Minnesota from the beginning of the year through May 25th. And there's a couple of interesting things that he found. Number one, he only found 741 deaths as of that date, even though at, at the time, now it's more, but at the time, Minnesota rec- recorded 899 <clears throat> COVID deaths. Where those extra 150 come from remains a mystery. <laughs> Because I mean, he's got he's got it. Anyone and I and I I checked his work. You sort all the different permutations of COVID, or you know, because it's not uniform. They use different language. COVID nineteen. There's a couple of typos. Some say COVID spell COVID wrong. Some spell it differently. Some have pneumonia COVID. Some have whatever. And so he only found seven hundred forty one, but it's more than that. On the death certificates in Minnesota, they have four lines. The top line death is line A. The secondary death is line B. Then there's line C and line D. Not all of them have four lines. Most of them don't. Most of them do have two or three. Some only have maybe one. Now, if you're going to tell me someone died of COVID, I want to see that on line A. Right? Remember... This is different than comorbidities. If you had diabetes or a heart condition and you clearly died of COVID and, you know, it ate away at your lungs, it's just that you were more vulnerable because of your condition. I have no problem listing that as a COVID death, but COVID should be number one and maybe hypertension or diabetes would be number two. But he found that only 338 of the 741 had COVID. Listed on line A. 43.8%, I believe. Less than half of the deaths in Minnesota that were ascribed to COVID pursuant to the death certificates had it on line A. Folks, this is a very big scam. Very big scam. Turns out that 287 of them had it listed on line B, and 116 were line C. So, for example, like, you know, what he, what he, what he noted was that um, with a number of them, it would list as A, lung cancer, terminal cerebral degeneration, stroke, acute renal failure, abdominal, ab- abdomin- abdominal, ah, why can I say that? Abdominal catastrophe (laughs) was a primary cause of death and then the b or c would be covid i actually saw one case i looked at the data piece where um covid was listed as line b you know you know what was on line a infirmities of old age refusing to take meds or eat (laughs) it's just like in washington state the freedom foundation found People who died of gunshot, you know, homicide, were listed as COVID deaths. Again, you have to understand how big of a scam this is because given that most of the deaths are coming from nursing homes and probably most of them in hospice care, they didn't die from that. Let me give you another interesting data point that demonstrates this is happening not just in Minnesota. Minnesota just seems to have the most from nursing homes, which means you'll find the most of this, but it's happening everywhere. 
In Pennsylvania, where roughly 70% of official deaths occurring in senior care facilities, dementia is listed as the top comorbidity. So what are the top? The top three are usually cardio, diabetes, and respiratory. But they list dementia. Now, dementia may be a risk factor, but it's not clear, and it's certainly not as much as cardio, but it's actually the top one. You know why? Because they didn't die. It's not that they died of COVID and dementia made them more vulnerable. It's they died of dementia. That's the most common form of death before COVID in a nursing home is Alzheimer's. You could look it up. It's more common than heart, pulmonary, and stroke. Those are the, the, the next ones. The top by far is Alzheimer's. So someone, if you say, hey, the, the, most of them had dementia. That means they died of dementia. Remember, yes, COVID is very deadly among seniors who are sick. But that's only if they get a symptomatic case. According to the Spanish serology tests, whereas 90% of most of the population gets asymptomatic or mildly symptomatic, among those in their 80s, it's still 72%. It's a little bit less. But, but whatever the science behind why people often get a case that doesn't present symptoms, they, they get it, even among seniors. Yet we know they're test bombing every single person in a nursing home, so they're testing everyone. We know once you get it in a nursing home, the majority are going to get it. Some will die legitimately, but many of them, most of them, if not majority, will be asymptomatic. Yet, over the course of two, three months, X numbers die. I mean, the average, the median stay of someone who winds up dying in a care facility is five months. That's the checkout line. That's what they're there for. Among the ones who wind up dying there, especially. They die of natural causes. They had an asymptomatic case. Well, Daniel, but but didn't they also die of this? No, they didn't. Otherwise, you have to tell me that George Floyd died of coronavirus. This is how sick the situation is. Utterly depraved. One lie after another. Folks, if you love this show, you're not going to hear this type of information elsewhere. We work hard. We try to give you the cutting edge facts and information, put it all together. These are the two issues of our time. We don't have a bold contrast from the Republican Party on this. We need a new party. We need a new movement. Send this show to 50 of your friends, relatives, neighbors, acquaintances, coworkers. Sign up at our public Facebook page. Horowitz Citizen Sanctuary. You could request uh, to join our private page, Minutemen Speakeasy. For those of you who don't want to be public, email me, dhorowitz at blazemedia.com. Tweet me at rmconservative. Lots more to go. We're just getting started this week. Folks, stay safe, stay armed, and stay knowledgeable. Stay knowledgeable.